We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Cody here joining me again, Mr. Julian Rosen. Julian, welcome back to the pod, man. How you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. Uh, summer's uh, summer's here. Memorial Day weekend's coming on, and I've uh, been doing some traveling, but excited to have a couple weeks back to talk some Colts and catch up on all the, uh, well, what little news there is uh, yeah. for this team. So, um, yeah, glad to be back. Absolutely, man. It's funny. Yeah, we were talking about like how right now it's just kind of the dead period in the NFL, right? Like things like OTAs are the big talk right now. Not a whole lot going on. So talk about Nick Foles throwing to Alec Pierce. That's a big deal right now. Whereas getting a couple months, who cares? You know, right. uh, but that's just kind of the point in the offseason we are. And so we kind of wanted to talk. I kind of wanted to talk about this because I feel like, Julian, there's been a lot of speculation and a lot of people going on one side of the spectrum to the other side of the spectrum regarding the Colts record. So I thought we could kind of talk about this team as a whole, their ceiling versus their floor, where they are. Obviously, last year they missed out on the playoffs. They were, you know, nine and eight. They were right there in the middle of the pack type of team. We thought they had a chance to be a 10-plus win team, but obviously we know what happened the last two weeks of the season. You know, big collapse on them. So I figured we could just kind of have a conversation and kind of talk about, okay, really, realistically, though, try to take the homerist out of it as much as we can here. What is the Colts ceiling and what is their floor, like, realistically? So uh, I figured we could kind of start since the Colts ended in such a poor way in 2021. We could kind of talk about the floor, right? So the Colts last year won nine games, lost eight. Um, you know, really had that collapse, like I talked about. Um, there was a lot of factors the last two weeks. There was some COVID stuff. There was just some players not playing up to where they normally were. Obviously, there was the quarterback play. All those factors came into it. And really, when it came down to it, the Colts had to win only one of those games, and they just completely crapped the bed twice. So in terms of this team this year, what would you say in your mind with all the new additions they had, the, the addition at quarterback, the addition to pass rusher, uh, the addition of a guy like Stephon Gilmore, in addition to the draft where they got some more weapons as well, what would you say is the floor for this team this year? I actually think the floor, uh, barring like an absolute decimation of injuries, like an absolute sort of like litany of injuries amongst the team, I think the floor is very high. Uh, I think the floor is about eight and nine, which is obviously 
that record would not be satisfying and it's not up to the standards of Chris Ballard or what this offseason has sort of um, become. But at the end of the day, I think if the team is mostly healthy, eight and nine is about the worst that I could see this team going. Um, you talk about the offensive line, a defense that will, at worst case scenario, be a good defense uh, that gives up some plays. Um, and, you know, arguably the best running back. Obviously, most of us think he is the best running back in the NFL and a poised quarterback. I mean, there could be an issue of, you know, this team just not having enough explosiveness on offense and teams sort of stacking the box and maybe Matt Ryan is taking a step backwards and not being able to, um, you know, hit the deep ball and threaten defenses. I think that would be the floor. I think that would be the worst case scenario at eight and nine. I don't really think barring, you know, like I said, a lot of injuries, I don't really think the team um, would be a basement dwelling lottery team this season. Uh, I don't know if you see it that way, but I just can't really imagine that scenario. Yeah, I mean, I th- I would tend to agree with you just because, you know, despite the fact that the Colts started off as slow as they did and they ended as poorly as they did, they still were firmly in the playoff mix for most of the season. So they're right down to the end there. So I think I agree with you. You know, you think you're, you've upgraded certainly at some positions that you really struggled in last year. I think my biggest concern outside of what you had said would probably just be the injuries, right? Because, you know, you have guys like Julian Blackman who got injured last year. You know, Paris Campbell's never really stayed healthy. Stephon Gale was banged up a little bit last year. So you think if he goes down, where do you sit at corner? You know, if the, if the Colts just get hit with this rash of injuries like they did last year at some key positions, could that be kind of the difference in how effective they could be versus how effective they actually are, right? That would be my kind of biggest question right. um, would just be the injuries and stuff like that. But I think you're right. Um, you know, if, if you know the, the teams take advantage, kind of like they did at the end of the season when the Colts couldn't pass the ball or, or chose not to pass the ball, and they just kind of ran it all the time. I mean, teams kind of started to get to figure that out a little bit, right? You, you yeah. kind of noticed, even with Jonathan Taylor getting an increased amount of carries, it just like teams knew what the Colts were going to do. They became very one-dimensional, very, very predictable. And so I think for that reason, yeah, I could see that potentially being it. But I do think this team has upgraded in terms of talent. I certainly think they have. So I think worst-case scenario, you know, if Matt Ryan, you know, he is 37, 38 years old, he's, he's on the, you know, twilight of his career what if he has a drop off right i don't think he will i think a lot of people think matt ryan still got a good couple years left but what if he does what if he has like a maybe not quite as bad as a peyton man in a year but you know something like that he starts to decline and and we see a matt ryan we've never really seen before right i don't think that's going to happen because i still think he does have a good couple years left that could do you have any concern about just like matt ryan's age and where he's at right now and where the colts are at at quarterback um, I don't really have a concern about his age, not for the next two years at least. Um, obviously, if we see something this year, that'll change that perspective for me. But um, I think you look at the way he takes care of his body. He doesn't take many hits. He was obviously sacked a lot, but um, takes care of himself pretty well. And um, I think, um, you know, his play has obviously fallen off a bit. He's not in his prime anymore. But it's not like a player would just go from in their prime all the way to, what, mediocrity. There is a space in between. And I think that's where Matt Ryan is. I think he's still very solid. I think he's going to be very consistent. And I think, honestly, like, I'm almost as excited for the sort of leadership locker room presence that Matt Ryan's going to bring. Like, I think he's going to be very solid on the field. But I think what could be a bigger impact that many fans don't see that we don't really learn about uh, is the behind the curtain, in the locker room kind of stuff. Um, a lot of information came out 
sort of in the weeks after that loss to Jacksonville and in the offseason and in February about the fact that some players weren't connecting with Carson Wentz. And it's not that they didn't like him, but it's that they didn't feel his leadership. I think Matt Ryan is going to make the team feel his leadership. I think that's a really uh, big factor to him. And as far as his play, look, I mean, there's a lot of metrics and numbers saying that his deep ball and his inter- inter- intermediate routes were still really good. Um, and I think that's going to carry over. I think he's going to be a good quarterback, and I could see him having, you know, somewhere between 26 and 30 touchdowns uh, this season with about 44, 4,500 yards. Yeah. Uh, I want to pull out a little nugget. You talked about the leadership real fast before we move on and kind of talk about the ceiling a little bit. Um, but just today, um, or I guess it was yesterday when it was tweeted, uh, June 1st was when it was tweeted by Nate Atkins of the Indianapolis Star. He said uh, he was talking to Mo Ali Cox, and Mo Ali Cox said that Matt Ryan will actually approach some of his offensive teammates, what I thought was kind of cool, uh, in the hallway, and he'll quiz them on what their assignment is on certain plays. So just kind of that leadership. He's already starting to take that leadership, starting to connect with his guys you know, on and off the field. He's like making sure they're locked in as well. Um, and that was a big question mark, right? What you talked about with Carson Wentz, like he just obviously was not the leader that the Colts were hoping that he was going to be, right, off right. the field and on the field. And, you know, that stuff matters, you know. And it seems like there was – to me, this is kind of how it seemed. It was like Carson – wouldn't take the proper coaching. So how is he going to lead other people and how is he going to hold other people accountable? If he can't even hold himself accountable and, and be willing to work on things and change. And I think that was kind of the big disconnect there from the Colts. But yeah. uh, the second point you talked about just the fact that, that Matt Ryan still has some good play left in him. You kind of look at his team last year. I mean, he lost look, look at what he didn't have last year. He didn't really have a number one wide receiver because the whole Calvin Ridley situation wasn't really playing a whole lot. Really, his best receiver was his rookie tight end. Didn't have an offensive line. Didn't have a running game. And now he's actually got some of those things, Julian. He actually has a good offensive line. He has the best running back in football. He has a number one wide receiver. He's got some explosive rookies here, and Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods, and some of those guys. So you know, I'm not saying they're going to be superstars right away, but the fact is that he is in a lot better of a situation this year than he was last year, You know, in my yeah. opinion. So I think you kind of factor that in and you're like, I don't feel like Matt Ryan's going to have that big of a drop off because even Philip Rivers, he was playing, he was two, three years older than Matt Ryan is right now. So you think about how well he was able to play in this Frank Reich system. It's a very quarterback friendly system as well. Um, I do feel like Matt Ryan is going to succeed with this Colts team. I do think he, you know, he's even talked about playing into his forties beyond that two year deal. So I feel like physically he's still in a really good place here. He's obviously getting a little bit older into the close to 40 now, but I really do feel like he's got a good couple years left in him here with Indianapolis. And uh, I just love the leadership that he's already starting to provide for this team. Yeah. And I think this is a great situation for him as well, as far as preservation, like could he have two or three more seasons in Atlanta with like the fact that they're basically rebuilding and all that? Like, I think he is, I think the Colts were as good for Matt Ryan as Matt Ryan was for the Colts, you know, like you're talking about a team where he can, um, control the game, maybe not game manager, but in a, in a sense, lean on the strength of this team, which is Jonathan Taylor, lean on the strength of this team, which is our defense. And um, I think he's going to be asked to make three to five throws per game that are really key, crucial, veteran throws, call the play, maybe call an audible. Um, but outside of that, it's just going to be very steady behind that offensive line, like you mentioned. Um, and I think he could spread it out too, like from a fantasy football's perspective i think the colts outside of taylor could be a nightmare 
because one week yeah. he's going to target Hines, one week he's going to find Paris Campbell a couple times. Pittman's going to have his days. You know, Pittman's almost certainly going to be our leading uh, receiver, but. You know, I think Paris Campbell and Moali Cox and Alec Pierce and Naheem Hines are also going to be very involved. I think he's going to spread it out. I think he's going to take his time, and he's going to enjoy having that time um, behind what should still be an elite offensive line. Yeah, yep, definitely. Well, let's flip it over now, Julian, and talk about the, the Indianapolis Colts ceiling. Now, I've seen people go kind of everywhere with this. Some people have been shooting for the stars. They're thinking top seed in the AFC, if not the number one, number two seed. They're thinking the Colts are in that conversation. Am I ready to go there? I don't think I am quite yet. Just because there's a lot of question marks. Certainly the Colts have added talent, like we talked about. Uh, but realistically, though, let's just take it from like, let's just look at it from where it is. Realistically, from an outside perspective, you look at the Colts, you say, well, first off, they haven't won a week one game since Frank Reck has been head coach. They've had multiple seasons where they've started off really terribly, really poorly. You know, last season and then obviously 2018 are the two that come to mind for me uh, when the Colts were, what, I think, one in five in 2018. I think they were like two and five or something like that last year or something along those lines. They had a losing record, all that to say, and they had to kind of claw their way back into contention. And then last year with how they ended it also haven't won in Jacksonville. Frank Reich only has, despite the fact that teams like Houston and Jacksonville have been the bottom tier bottom feeders for years. Now the Colts still only have a 15 and 10 record in the AFC South, which is just bizarre to me that they they're, they're not better than that department, but I look at it right there, and I'm like, the Colts have a lot of questions to answer. Have they added talent on paper? Sure. Have they done the right things in terms of adding accountability? Sure. On paper, they have. But when it comes down to playing, it's a whole different animal. Going out there and doing it versus just talking about it, right. two different things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think the Colts' ceiling, ceiling is a 13, and now i got to adjust to the 17 games, 13-4 and four season. Almost said thirteen and three. I do think that is their ceiling. I mean, if you're talking about a realistic outcome, I mean, you're looking at a team that goes five and one uh, in the division. You know, maybe six and zero. Oh. I'm not going to really bank on that. Uh, trying to be cautiously optimistic. Uh, that would mean that we have to go at least two and two with the AFC West. Which, sure, the teams are very um, strong. It's the strongest division in football. Maybe rivaled with the AFC North, especially you know, depending on Deshaun Watson's situation, but. You know, you're talking about at least one of the two best divisions in football, but, you know, you're talking about splitting with the AFC West, going at least 5-1 and one in the division, and then dropping one more game outside of the division in the AFC West. I mean, I think most Colts fans would agree they could see that happening. They'd be thrilled if that happened, and that would mean that the ball probably bounces our way a couple times. A couple key turnovers. Other teams uh, make some really um, costly, you know, have some really costly penalties. Uh, in these close score games, which we were a part of a lot last year, you talk about the Rams game. You remember the Titans game. Um, both of them were pretty close, especially that one that went into overtime. Um, I mean, there was a play. I think it was probably the worst play of the season outside of the entire Jacksonville game at the end. But there was a play where Taekwon Lewis got an interception and then fumbled the ball and got injured. And then the Titans picked the ball back up, went down. And AJ Brown got a touchdown. I mean, you're talking about him not fumbling that single interception. And the Colts probably make the playoffs. I mean, it's it's kind of just a bizarre sequence. So I think 13-4 and four is in the books. And in that scenario, the offense is explosive enough to allow Jonathan Taylor to operate, to allow our offense to focus around him. And the defense is not just imposing, but the defense is taking the ball away, which has been a signature of, you know, the Colts with Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner and Julian Blackman uh, when healthy. So you're talking about a defense that takes the ball away, that imposes their will, 
that takes advantage of matchups and an offense where Matt Ryan is doing enough and making enough plays down the field with his receivers and his tight ends and Naheem Hunt um, to open up the running game. And this team just kind of steamrolls and gets one of the top, I would say, three seeds in the AFC. Yeah. So here's my thing, Julian. I kind of look at like the Colts. If you had to ask me to identify the two major weaknesses on this team last year, I would say pass rush and I would say quarterback. Yep. I would say those are the top two. The Colts have added two, you know, two veteran guys, two proven guys there. Yannick Ngakwe, a little bit younger, but he has been a proven eight-plus sack guy about every year. He can bank, take that to the bank. Uh, Matt Ryan, obviously, we talked about as well. But I kind of look at all the games that the Colts at halftime, they were up on. They were up on teams like Baltimore, who they ended up just – that was just the worst. That was honestly my oh, least favorite game. Of the year. It was terrible. But like they were they were smacking the crap out of Baltimore for that first half. They were, they were beating Tampa Bay by double digit. Yeah. You know, they were – you know, Tennessee, they were up by 20-some points, you know. So there's a lot of games where the Colts were actually looking like far the far superior team in that first half, like the far superior team. They just couldn't close. They just didn't have what it, what it took to end those games and close those games out, right? And there's plenty of other games, I'm sure. But you think about that, two, three games, that's a big difference. And also you think about even that Raiders game, for example. I mean – T.Y. Hilton was running wide open. I don't know if you remember that play. Oh, He's yeah. running wide open, and Carson Wentz just misses him. So, and the and the Colts they beat teams like New England. They beat teams like Buffalo. Honestly, just just running the football. That's and and they're and and also like the reason why they blew a lot of those leads. And I've even said it before. I've been very vocal because they couldn't get consistent pressure on the quarterback. So, in my mind, it's like if both these things work out as well as I think they will because both these guys are proven. I think that alone can go in helping to stop blowing those games, you know, can, can start to end those games and, and step on teams throats a little bit more than you were. Cause the talent for the Colts is not the question. Sure. Just can you, can you constantly do it through four quarters and the Colts proved they couldn't do it last year. So they didn't make the playoffs, but like I kind of look at it now with all the accountability you've added, whether it's the veteran guys like the Gilmore's, the Ngakwe's, the Ryan's, uh, or even the coaching staff, right? The defensive coaching staff, Gus Bradley, Ron Miles, Richard Smith, Mike Mitchell, Cato June, Reggie Wayne, all these guys that have been there, done that, know what it takes, guys that have won Super Bowls, right? To me, on paper, I, I think like if all that meshes as well as we hope it will, I think this team, their biggest weaknesses could turn into actually some strengths this year. And, you know, and, and if they turn into strengths, man, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Pass rush quarterback, Ballard addressed it in his press conference. Ballard addressed it through trades. He addressed it through the draft as well. Uh, we got weapons and all that stuff. I mean, I really think I have this looming, looming fear, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Cody, that this season really comes down to a few key players remaining healthy. Julian Blackman, yeah. Harris Campbell, Ryan Kelly, um, maybe a couple of guys in the defensive line. Even our kicker was hurt last year. You know, Bagley came in and did well. Kickers matter. We all remember the 2020 season. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. No, the 2019 season? Well, the one yeah. where Vinatieri was. Yeah, yeah I mean, 2019. We love, I remember we, that. We love Adam. Kicking matters, right? Key players yeah, are going to have to stay healthy, right? Blackman, Campbell, Kelly, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, um, and a couple other guys. I really think that's what it comes down to. If those are all green lights, if those are all good check marks and they're mostly healthy, you know, everyone misses a game here or there. It's fine. But um, mostly healthy, uh, Colts team, I think, is a 12 or 13 win team. I think, like you said, they address the biggest issues. The rest of the team is really strong. I mean, look, this could be legitimately an elite top five defense. I mean, 
I've even said and gone so far as to say I think the Colts could be the best defense in the AFC amidst, you know, the Broncos, Bills, Chargers, who all have um, really, really good units. Yeah. I just do wonder also the scheme as well. Gus Bradley's scheme. It seems like everywhere he goes, the pass rush gets better. And that's been the weakness, honestly, for years. Like the last decade, the Colts' weakness has been pass rush. We got really spoiled with Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney for years, and then we had to pay a whole decade of hardly any pass rush outside of Robert Mathis and maybe Justin Houston first season. Other than that, it's been a nightmare. It's been terrible. With all the investments you've made, you really have not got a whole lot of return for those investments. And so, yeah, you look at some of the guys that the Colts were missing last year. You mentioned the Tyquan Lewis, the Julian Blackman. Those guys were two of the best defenders last year on the Colts when they were healthy. And the fact that you, you know, you missed them. You, you, it was clear that you missed them. But also one thing that I think, you know, because injuries do happen. That does happen. The depth that you have added, though, Julian, yeah. on this team compared to even last year, astronomically better. Like, you know, say a, say Julian Blackman's not ready for the regular season. I think he will, and I hope he will. Boom, you got two other safeties you can plug in, whether it's Nick Cross, whether it's Rodney McLeod. Right. Uh, you know, say both your safeties go down for whatever reason, just like they did last year. You still have two really good safeties you feel great about, you know? So that's just one position amongst a lot of positions that you're like, the depth on this team is absolutely insane. Right. Like, And the Colts had decent depth last year, especially on the offensive line. But the depth that they've added in other key positions, I think, is big. So, you know, this team is talented. They've added some veteran presence, but they're also a very deep team from 1 to 53. Yeah, definitely. They added depth on the offensive line as well, which is key. I mean, we definitely saw that, whether it was COVID or injuries. Um, And, you know, guys like Rodney Thomas and Armani Watts and Brandon Faison. I mean, it seems like one of the big camp battles right now is – Isaiah Rogers and Brandon Faison for that sort of Y cornerback role opposite Gilmore, obviously having Kenny Moore in the slot. Um, but yeah, guys like Faison and uh, everyone else I mentioned, these are key depth pieces and they're going to come into play. It's a long season. Once again, we have a week 14 by, if I'm not mistaken, week 13. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I, sure. Thank you, NFL. I mean, great. I, I don't understand. Like, for me, it kind of seems like if they gave it to us one year, then it would be kind of strange to do it two years in a row. Like, I was expecting maybe nine or ten this year as the bye week. But anyway, not a huge deal. But, I mean, that being said, it is a factor because you're talking about 13 consecutive weeks without a break, without an off week for guys to get healthy and, and get mended a little bit. So um, it's going to be a grind. Injuries are going to happen, a little bit of COVID, concussions, stuff like that. Uh, so having the depth is integral. And you could tell that was a big focus of Ballard um, uh, for Ballard this offseason. Yeah. All right, so we're thinking the floor for the Colts is probably eight wins. We're thinking the ceiling is probably 13 wins. That's kind of where we're going. So anywhere between that's probably where they're going to land. If if we're lucky, we get 13 wins. That would be like best-case scenario. But, you know, a lot of stuff happens. So I I could realistically think, you know, between – 11 10 and 11 games is probably i'd be very happy with that record you know that's a playoff team the colts are right there you know one of the best teams in the afc and obviously the afc is very loaded this year so they're going to need to be uh very on their game this year with especially the afc west oh my goodness talk about crazy so uh and the north too you mentioned Um, like it's crazy just the quarterback play i mean you're just talking about the fact that it's russell wilson i mean just at the top i mean there's still great quarterbacks but you talk uh, about how it's like Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, all in yeah. our conference. Not to mention, you know, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, maybe Tua takes a step forward. Mac Jones has a, had a good rookie year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, maybe with a 
with Doug Peterson, right, takes a step forward as well. And uh, Ryan Tannehill and Matt Ryan, nonetheless, maybe Malik Willis comes on after the Titans in uh, in lieu of Tannehill's poor play or an injury, something like that. So there's a lot of factors. The AFC is totally loaded. Um, but I think the Colts' main goals, I think there's two, is to win the division and to split with the AFC West. I think if they accomplish those two things, it'll be a successful season, at least a regular season. Yes, absolutely. That that would be amazing if they were able to do that. And the great thing is, Julian, they have a chance in the first two weeks of the season to get the monkey off their back. You know, talking about they haven't won uh, the first game of the year since Frank Reich's been head coach. Uh, they have the chance against the weakest team in the AFC South, the Houston Texans, who they beat up on last year, who they outscored like 60-some to three. They have a chance, and they should beat them handily. So that starts you off with a lot of confidence. Then you travel to Jacksonville where you haven't won. So you have a chance to get two of those demons out right of, right away. You have that opportunity. And then boom, you're, you're opening game against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in week three. Right. So you have a great chance to start off extremely strong and build your confidence because it's going to be a track. There's going to be some hard – there's a really hard stretch the Colts have down uh, – I believe it's like the middle of the season or maybe the towards the yeah, end I'm of the season. Right now. Yeah, um, uh, there's, yeah. There's some tough stretches for sure. Um, there is. I mean, just going, you know, Kansas City, Tennessee, and then at Denver, that's pretty tough for weeks three through mm-hmm. five, you know. But I think, I think winning the first two is huge. Getting the monkey off the bag is a perfect way to put it. It's the week one. It's the at Jacksonville. Those are the huge bugaboos for Frank Reich um, for his tenure as the coach and for the team as a whole. And then that yeah. that third game, right, if we go 2-0, and that game at Kansas City is a huge, uh, I'm not going to say turning point, but it's a big fork in the road, right? Do we start ascending as an elite AFC team, or are we going to have – um, a season where we're in the hunt and in the mix. But I think starting 3-0 and with a win against Pat- Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelce and Andy Reid, um, that's immense. That's huge. Gives the team a lot of confidence. So um, yeah. I'm actually gunning to go to that game to drive down from Michigan. Um, TBD on that. Ooh, yeah. But yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. That will be fun, man. I'm a, I'm excited for you. I wish I could be there. Uh, I would love to be there. That sounds like an incredible time. Yeah. Uh, but – yeah, man. Regardless, it's going to be a fun season. I'm really excited to see all these questions, all these new additions, all these things that we're all been asking and we're going to continue to ask the next couple months. I'm excited to finally see it on the field here right. very soon. So, uh, you know, we just got to get through this this lull of the off season here, and training camp is coming soon. I'm very excited for that. I'm trying to get out there a lot this season or this off season to see some people and all that stuff. Didn't really wasn't really able to go a whole lot last year. But uh, when I did, it was a lot of fun. So hopefully we were able to get some media access and stuff. Was able to a couple years ago, pre-COVID and stuff. But we'll see, man. All that to say, um, I think the Colts have a really good opportunity to be one of the best teams in the AFC if all goes well. We hope and pray, knock on wood, that all goes well. People stay healthy, all that stuff. Uh, But Julian, I appreciate you coming on, man, talking some Colts here. It's always a good time. Uh, it's always great to have you on because I know uh, with our crazy schedule, sometimes it's hard to coordinate things. But uh, glad to, glad we were able to get get uh, reconnected again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me back on. Good to chat, especially during the slow times. Speculate, see what's going on with OTAs. Um, and uh, Derek did a great recap. I just watched it about 20, 30 minutes ago. I did a great recap of the OTAs and what's going on early. And guys like Zach Kiefer and all the Colts beat reporters have been doing a great job of updating. So. 
Um, yeah, honestly, at this point, fingers crossed that there's no major injuries in, uh, in the first part of the offseason program. And thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. And thank you guys for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Uh, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, all that good stuff if you have not yet to do so. Turn on that notification bell as well so you know when we drop new videos. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, go Colts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.